1: Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We are coming at you, as promised, on this Friday, live here on CincyJungle.com, on CincyJungle.com's Facebook page, and on our Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. I know it's kind of a weird time for some of you. Some of you we thought on this Friday we'd catch uh, those of you on the Eastern Time Zone, which probably are is the majority of Bengals fans. We thought we'd catch you... Uh, um, maybe on on your lunch break or something like that. So uh, we've got already a a lot of questions that came our way over the past handful of days. So we're going to get to some of those. If you want to submit some questions to us, whether it's through the live Facebook feed through our uh, YouTube channel or on cincyjungle.com through the comments, you can do that. We'll we'll also take some calls and texts. Uh, Some of these that we have queued up are actually from voicemails and texts anyway, but if you want to give us a call during the live broadcast or shoot us a text 949-542-6241 we'll be taking those so um john how you doing bud um t- twice in a week dude we get to we get to do talks some bangles twice in a week dr dr sheeran dr kazenza we're gonna take your bangles
2: venting for another half hour so let's get yeah,
1: let's on lay down on the couch and lay, and tell me about your problems right um, <laughs> Uh, you, you, you've got more of the doctor look with the, with the skeleton guy behind you, Randall, um, for those able to see the live video, you, you got more of the, the doctor and you've got the collared shirt on. You got more of the, the, the buttoned up doctor vibe going. Well, than I, I want can. to use
2: a stethoscope and I can be the, like that fake doctor that tricked people a couple <laughs> years ago.
1: <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to try and, uh, play a little, uh, play a little psychiatrist, I guess, for some of these Bengals fans, because unfortunately the Bengals are 0 and 4, <laughs> Feelings are not great about the team right now as evidenced by some of these questions we already have. So let's just tee it off, 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 uh, uh a, a, an email from Jason Dickerson who uh, lives in Germany, I believe. So this may be like nighttime for him. Um, uh, but he sent a, an email with quite a bit of thoughts and, and really he kind of said, you know, um, the, the crux of everything was how long of a leash should Zach Taylor have? I, I mean, it's only four games in, uh, but we've seen already, I think, a bit of regression from the team last year under Marvin Lewis. Um, granted, the injuries are there and whatever, but, you know, he kind of says three years, that's kind of the standard, I guess, especially with quarterbacks and coaches to get a proper evaluation. But I don't know if that's what the, the leash is, what do you think on, on Zach Taylor on that one? I
2: mean, this is the Bengals and they're not going to rush to any decision unless there's just a fan outcry that they can't ignore. One thing I know about the Bengals and Zach Taylor and the relationship. When I talked to Emily Parker, who is the director of media relations with them and just the differences between how they operate and how they communicate with, with Taylor compared to the final years of Lewis, it's basically nine huh. day, like, There's obviously a great relationship between Taylor and the front office, and I don't see just a bad start halfway through his first year um, getting in the way of that. I think there's obviously a precedent that has been set by Arizona now to fire just a rookie head coach and just move on to something else. and There's just no way that that's going to happen in Cincinnati. Like This is the same ownership that held on to a head coach for 16 years with no playoff wins. There's no way that just one crappy start to one year is going to basically cut the leash off for Taylor. Now, when talking about beyond this year and maybe beyond, you know, the next couple of years, I think, yeah, like after year three, if there's no progress, then there's like the hot seat, I guess, starts heating up under Taylor. But I think who he is as a person and how they relate to him and that relationship going on, it's going to take a lot more than just like just straight losing seasons for them to basically cut ties with him. I, I would say, like year three or four is when we would start seeing like the pressure really set in on Taylor.
1: Yeah. Before you get to the next question here, I don't know if you're able uh, because of the, you know, the confidentiality and uh, you know, relationship you've built with, with uh, you know, the Bengals representative there. I mean, was there anything that you're able to share concrete uh, in terms of example? You, You mentioned that, you know, Zach Taylor was, the communication level is different. I don't know if that means better. I don't know if that means more frequent, whatever that means. I don't know if you have any insight information on that, if, if you're able to even share it, but um, I'd be interested to hear. <laughs>
2: well, well, yeah, like it, there's a lot of recency bias because I wasn't like old enough to really understand any of this when Marvin first came in. And I imagine when he first came in, when he was just a young head coach in, in himself, he was very similar to Taylor, but I think it's just about, how like the final years of what Marvin Lewis was, and you know what that relationship basically dwelled down to be. Compare that to Taylor, who just from what I've been told is so much more open as a communicator and so much more open to trying new things, and just 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 a more open relationship, I guess, and something that is a lot fresher than what they're expect than what they've experienced in the past and just a breath of fresh air and a breath of fresh change. He brought a lot of change into a, a lot of new facilities into the building, a lot of different, a lot of different things that they did in the off season. It's just all just someone who a lot, who is a lot easier to work with. And that's obviously coming with the, with the age difference and whatnot, but not, but still at the end of the day, you need to produce as a coach. And I think they realized that, you know, this is not really his team yet. This is still a lot of the, the guys that Marvin brought in. And it's going to take some time for him to really, you know, implement what, what he's trying to bring with, with his own players. So the leash I would say is fairly longer than what other head coaches get at other organizations.
1: Yeah. And this team has um, been known to be a bit more patient than uh, some other franchises in terms of, uh, you know, knee jerk reaction firings and all that good stuff. You want to go to the next one there, John? Yeah. All right. Uh,
2: this one was from a frequent uh, listener of the show. Ken Dipple, via text. Is it already time to think about firing Anarumo, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, and what about Jack Del Rio? Well, they tried to hire Jack Del Rio and that essentially didn't work out. So I don't understand why they would try to go back to him in the middle of the season after firing the defensive coordinator that they waited 50 days to hire. Anarumo is a guy that obviously Zach Taylor trusts and a guy that who was brought in because of his relationship with Zach Taylor. There's definitely still deficiencies with the scheme right now, and but... Even with that said, it's a personnel issue. And for the fact of the matter is this defense, from a personnel standpoint, didn't really change enough for any tangible uh, improvements to happen on the, on the defensive side of the ball. And, yeah, they faced some tough offenses to start out the season, but at the end of the day, you, you, you got to produce. And this is like, very similar to Taylor in the scheme that he has on the offensive side. And Aruma's got to bring, bring in his guys on the defensive side of the ball. And there's just not been enough positive roster turnover to see – any real change and yeah, like there was improvement last year when they moved on from Terrell Austin to to Marvin Lewis. And I think this because Marvin has been here longer and those were his guys and he was more comfortable and fitting those guys to where they succeed. But I I don't, I don't think we're going to see him in season firing with Ana Rumo either. I think just with, with with the debacle of getting him in the first place and the the struggles of finding a defensive coordinator in the off season, I don't think there's anybody that they would trust to basically take over the reins on the on the team right now to take over for Inarumo just for how long that came together. Um, maybe they'll evaluate in the offs in the offseason, but I think Inarumo is basically not not necessarily tied to Taylor per se, but definitely has a longer leash than what Terrell Austin had because they don't have a viable option on the roster to replace him with.
1: Yeah, this is this is what's what's fr- you know what's been frustrating about this year is there are signs out there where you're going, okay, there it is. There's some positive there's some, you know, like week one, right? I mean, the, the, the Bengals played pretty well. They gave up only, what, what 20 points on uh, to Seattle on their home field. Seattle scored at home against the Rams 30, 30 points just last night, 31 points, something like that. So, uh, you know, I mean, there are signs that Anarumo has these guys and, and Taylor, too, to an extent, has them going in the right direction. And then once they do, then you have this 49ers game. You have this Steelers game you look back to this monday night game not only was it 10 to 3 at the half um, you know there were penalties that were not called that if you read CincyJungle.com, there was an offensive pass interference on the james conner touchdown right before half that was not called there was a penalty if you saw on my twitter that uh, i believe was in the first half tj watts was part of a quarterback sack of Andy Dalton was leading with his head and his elbow to Andy Dalton's head. And that was not called as a, as an inter, uh, a uh, roughing the pass or penalty. Even without those, it was a 10, three game at half. And he had the minute, the offense wasn't doing anything. So, I mean, there are things where you kind of say, yeah, the tackling has been awful. Um, you would hope for more big plays in terms of turnovers, but um, there are signs of this defense is uh, adequate. I guess, Um, but, you know, as they get put in in bad positions from the offense, not moving the ball and or, you know, the offense moves backwards because of penalties and sacks, they're not put in the best positions. Obviously, those guys get fatigued and, um, you know, there's been injuries on that side of the ball. So I'm not the biggest Luana Rumo fan at this point, but uh, I I understand there have been some variables um, a little bit out of his control. And like you said, talent, talent at certain spots is, is definitely an issue. Um, let's go with, uh, another text, Dan from Tennessee. Uh, I, I'm going to kind of lean on uh, this one. Um, I'm going to lean on you for this one. Why are the Bengals not running more two tight end sets? Um, I know that, you know, there's a certain personnel grouping that Taylor likes to run, which is a one tight end set. But, um, you know, you sign CJ Uzama to this big contract. He's been basically non-existent this year. You draft Drew Sample in the second round. You bring back Tyler Eifert, you would think you've got a plan to use all these guys, some at the same time. They're not really doing that.
2: Yeah, and actually, to, to, to the um, to the person asking this question's point, their success rate in 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, compared to their success rate in 11 personnel, which is one tight end, is actually 12% more. They've only run 19 plays thus far this year in 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field. And they've succeeded on fifty-three percent of those plays in eleven personnel, and I think they're still in the top five in terms of running eleven personnel. They're only uh, succeeding at about a rate of forty-one percent, which is about five percent lower than league average. So, yes, to your point, when you have a lot of you know injuries at the wide receiver position, and your depth is dwindling there, and your talent is dwindling there, and you still have a lot of depth at tight end, and you want to see what you know Drew Sample can do, you want to you want to use Tyler Eifert more because you're preserving him because he's you're heard he's going to get injured, and you signed T G Zoma to this contract, you want to get, you know, more of those guys onto the field to basically compensate for the lack of talent at, now that is at wide receivers. So you have guys like Damian Willis, I play playing more snaps and you're keeping perhaps your most talented receiver on the bench and Tyler Eifert. So I would, I would prefer to see more 12 personnel. I would, and, this is something that taylor uh, told me and, and a couple other guys uh this offseason when we interviewed him you know 11 personnel is, is really about what they use with with the tight end and 12 personnel is really about what they use with the tight end there's ways you can get creative with that so it, with your 11 personnel sets you have you know three wide receivers and one inline tight end but you can create 11 personnel opportunities with 12 personnel you can use your tight ends in the slot one of them in the slot one of them out out in the inline position, maybe one guy out wide. You can get more creative with the personnel that personnel that you have. And when you're more successful using two tight ends, I think that it is it, it would be smart to use more of that going forward. And also, you know, maybe you keep one of them in for pass blocking, and in, in, hopefully not CJ's zone because he's one of the worst pass blocking tight ends in the NFL right now. But yeah, anything you can do to help the pass protection and any way you can get more creative with the talent that you have, I would be all for that. So I'm definitely.
0: and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: So before we move on to some, uh, you know, another question you have, uh, you may have for us, John, Um, I'm seeing some stuff in Facebook. I have not Um, they're asking what's going on with Joe Mixon. Does he want out? Someone said either on Instagram or Facebook or something, he, he put peace, um, meaning like people are taking it like he's leaving. Um, I have not seen that, uh, still a little early on my, my, uh, side of the country. So I've not seen some of that stuff, but, um, I don't know. Any any long term worries? I mean, this this franchise has a history of some of its best players, especially skill position players, getting disgruntled with the losing and um, contracts and all kinds of different stuff. To be to be
2: fair, like there's a lot of stuff going on around the NFL right now with with, with players, you know, not liking their situations, and whatnot. And I'm completely for them, you know, wanting a better situation and wanting out of what could be a toxic relationship with the team. We don't really see that that much often with the Bengals. And we haven't seen that with Joe Mixon yet in terms of his words with the media. He's been taking full responsibility for the lack of success in the run game. And I believe the tweet that is being referenced here is he just put up the deuces sign. And that was it. I think he put it on his Instagram story too. And (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen like like athletes just post like the eye emoji. And like whenever there's like a trade rumor going on. And I I think 90% of the time it's basically to troll us. And 10% of the time there's any weight to it. With, with, with that, I'd always take it with a grain of salt, and nothing that I've seen or heard from Mixon up to this point would indicate that he's the type of guy that would hash out those emotions on social media like that, even though he's been a, a proponent and urging the Bengals to do things over social media. But uh, I think until we see something more concrete, there's nothing to really worry
1: about with that. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, if you've heard interviews and seen him on the on the – I mean, I remember last year, the Falcons game, when AJ Green caught that game winning touchdown, he's, he just had a knee procedure done. He's sprinting down the sideline and, and celebrating with AJ. And obviously when he, you know, he expressed some frustration this year when the fans were booing and he also said, you know, I haven't been doing my, holding up my end of the bargain, but I think we all know that's primarily an offensive line issue. Uh, What else you got for us, John? Let's see here. We got Chris W.
2: in the live comments section, basically asking about uh, Ren Wren. Is, what is Ren doing? Is Ren a bust? Yeah. Or is he just going to take, time, take him a while? You were a big Ren fan coming out of the draft. I know he was one of your favorite picks. But, you know, for, for him being 23 years old, for him being as great of an athlete he was, he's still a raw player. And, yeah, he is going to take some time. And, unfortunately for him, well, this is kind of a two-way street here because the Bengals have been obviously playing a lot more or 3-4, if you want to say, uh, base sets to basically stop the run and account for the lack of linebacker depth. And with that, um, Ren has been playing a lot of what is known as the 3-4 defensive end, like a five technique, basically a B-gap player and basically two-gapping as a run defender. And because of the lack of depth that they now have at defensive end, he's been playing also more on the edge, more than so inside. So I think right now, he's just kind of playing out of position a little bit. And for a player that still really doesn't know how to use his hands and maybe still being lost on some assignments, it's basically a, 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 you know, a snowball effect of, of bad things going against him. And his snaps have increased because, you know, they haven't had Carrie win. They haven't had Ryan Glasgow. They haven't had Carl Lawson for the past couple of weeks. So we've seen more Wren, And unfortunately he's been getting exposed a lot of times in run defense. He's made some good plays, but the bad plays have outweighed the other, have, have outweighed the good ones. And, you know, he just doesn't really know what to do yet. And, uh, I would prefer drafting guys who do have a sense of what they know what to do with their hands. And do have a sense of what they know what to do on the football field? But he was always going to take some time and you would like to see those mistakes, you know, as early as possible to get him out of the way, but he's just not exactly ready yet to be a dominant player that his athleticism says that he can be.
1: Yeah. And you know, the hope is he's a project player that turns into a stud. The worry is that he's an athlete and not a football player. Right. And he can't develop these skills. So, Um, you know, it's still very, very early for him, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, he's kind of a microcosm of this entire draft class, this draft class, the first draft class of Zach Taylor's tenure needed to have guys that were immediate impact players. Now, I mean, he can't help what happened with Jonah Williams, but, and he was set to be potentially an immediate impact player, but I've said this a couple of times. I mean, you basically had to go six picks deep. For, to find a guy who is starting and/or having a major role, and that's Michael Jordan. You had to go to all the way in their third pick of the fourth round to find a guy in this draft that's doing that because of injuries, because of they're not their inability to crack the lineup and and all of that. So um, that is worrisome, and uh, you know that that is with the Bengals telling us that they are going to. You know, their plan was you know, we think we can win now, despite the coaching change, if guys stay healthy, and we add some pieces. Um, I mean, that if you if you really thought that you needed to have a draft class to have guys immediately impact your team, and they they have not done that. And the one guy, Michael Jordan, who has been starting has not been playing very well. So um, <laughs> it, it it just is a, uh you know, it, it shows a cycle of problems there are a couple of comments too both on twitter and on um our facebook live you know it's not we can't really talk about it too much it's talking about you know this team basically went to hell when they let whitworth and zeitler go we know um i mean you're not wrong in bringing that up uh but there's been a couple people talking about that here's one from twitter uh ryan kaufman asks um how much can we say? I, I'm assuming, meaning the problems in the 0-4 start. How much can we actually say is personnel? How much? How much of it is coaching? I had high hopes for Zach, but getting worried that he's a bit off. More, he has bit off more than he could chew as a head coach.
2: That's that's completely fair. I think this is mostly personnel issues because, like we like we talked about, there wasn't that much roster turnover in this offseason. The turnover was mainly with the coaching staff, and a lot of trust and a lot of faith from the front office and the fans was. How can this coaching staff elevate a roster that is underwhelmed for the past three years? Well, at the end of the day, talent pretty much matters more than the scheme. And it, it, it like Zach Taylor is not Bill Belichick. He's not any innovative head coach because he's very inexperienced. And this is an inexperienced coaching staff around Taylor. And unfortunately, there's just a lack of talent all throughout the roster with the with the exception of maybe a couple of position groups. And the injuries right. haven't helped. Obviously, there's a lot of core players that aren't playing right now. And they've done a poor job of replacing those core players with deaf players that they found off the street and a lack of scouting department will end up doing that. But yeah, I would say this is definitely more of a personal issue and it's not going to get better until they get better personnel and hopefully they can build a proper scheme around better personnel that ends up to be a better product, but it's hard to basically shine crappy turds.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, my fear with, (laughs) I think that, the Bengals' hope and fans hope is that yeah they've got this next McVay guy, a guy that can turn around a team right up, you know, pretty much right away, get him to deep into the playoffs and and kind of be this offensive guru guy. My worry, I guess just being the cynical Bengals guy that I that I am, my worry is that, you know, it doesn't work out for for Taylor in Cincinnati, he gets let go and then a couple years later he lands somewhere else and all of a sudden because he's accrued experience with the Bengals, because he has landed in an organization that is more run like a proper business instead of a mom and pop shop. He's more set set up to succeed. Basically he does well, like a Pete Carroll, like a Bill Belichick, you know, these first couple of chances, it didn't work out. And then all of a sudden he turns into this guy, his second or third chance down the road. And it didn't work out with the Bengals. I, like I said, maybe that's just cynical, cynical. And again, we're only four games into the Zach Taylor regime, but uh, you know, it's just a worry I have. You got you got any others, John? Yeah, let's see here.
2: Did uh, Ken Evans? Ken Evans asked, "Did Billy Price play better at guard than Michael Jordan?" Well, uh, in the Buffalo game, I think Price played fairly well. Um, it, it, it wasn't definitely a liability on that line, and that that was a better game for the offensive line than they played against Pittsburgh. I think right now it's just the offensive line coach, Jim Turner and Zach Taylor to an extent, doubling down on their commitment of Michael Jordan. That's the guy that they drafted. That's the guy that they scouted. That's the guy that they brought in and wanted to start. They thought that he earned that starting job in, in the preseason and in training camp and John Jerry uh, faltered at that position. But I think the reality is right now, Jordan's just not ready to start a lot like Randall Wren is the guy that he's a great athlete at, at the position, but he just doesn't have any functionality to his game right now. And, Opposing players are going to exploit that, and especially against defensive lines like Buffalo, like Pittsburgh, who had interior rushers who were not only athletes but great technicians who could just get under under his pad level. And right now, like, the, the, the worst thing that Jordan has going for him right now is that he's 6'6", and he doesn't play with any ounce of leverage. And guys can just get under him and basically raise him up. And turn, until he learns to play with a lower pad level, he's going to have struggles there. Billy Price will always obviously have his like faults in this game because of his – physical limitations, him being having short arms and being really aggressive in the sets. But right now he's more prepared to start and play at a consistent level than Jordan. And I think Pittsburgh, the, Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh game proved that. And their undying commitment to Jordan is very confusing to me, but I also understand it from the perspective that that's a guy that they brought in and they're just stubborn into that fact.
1: Yeah. Um we've got there's a there are a number of texts and stuff coming through we'll try and get to one or two more here we're, we're running a little long but uh in case you are just joining us i'm anthony kazanza he's john Sheeran. we are part of the orange and black insider podcast crew and we're doing some live questions to kick off your weekend here uh on this on this friday afternoon so thanks for joining us live and thanks for downloading it after the fact if you were unable to join us live, it was kind of we teased it on Wednesday, but it was a little impromptu uh, in terms of when we when we kind of hit the air on Friday. So thanks for joining us. Um, if you want to get proper notifications aside from following us on Twitter at banglesobi OBI and, and reading Cincy for the posts, subscribe to our channels and you'll get notifications of when our content comes out, when we're going live on our YouTube channel and all of that, uh, the, the places where you can subscribe obviously YouTube. I mentioned our stuff's on cincyjungle.com and then iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone. Our stuff is there and you can, you can subscribe to, uh, one of those channels wherever you get your podcasts. Um, there's, uh, there have been a couple of different text messages coming our way, John. Um, one is, uh, Unfortunately, we kind of addressed a little bit this a little bit with the Zach Taylor and coaching is I just wanted to acknowledge Danny from London is listening. So that's pretty cool. We've got someone uh, across the pond. Hope Danny's going to that game. uh, The the Bengals Rams game because it's not in Los Angeles. So I'm not going. Um, It's a weekly thing. Yeah, uh, there was, there was uh, one here, um, saw a poll on Twitter, if the Bengals were sitting at number one and the Dolphins want to move up to take Tua, would you take their two top 10 picks and Josh Rosen, also keep up the good work, um, so two, two top 10 picks and Josh Rosen for the number one, if the Bengals were to have the number one pick, would you do that? I have no idea. I don't know ten players in this in this next draft class that they can
2: that they could pick. I, like, I'll, I'll just say this right now: like for for the next however many months before we actually know who's in this draft class, besides like Chase Young and like Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama, if the Bengals are drafting in the, in the top five, it's mainly because their quarterback play has been shoddy. And if there is a quarterback worthy of that pick, not just a Christian Ponder, not just a Blaine Gabbard, a guy who just gets overhyped and is projected to go there. If there is a quarterback who is deserving of a top five pick and the Bengals are in the top five, I would suggest the Bengals take that quarterback. I don't know for a fact that there are going to be enough quarterbacks for them to take if they don't get the first overall pick. I don't know if there's enough generational talent for them to pass on a quarterback and take two other players in the top ten. But if they have the opportunity to get – the franchise quarterback who's worthy of that pick, I would advise them to take that. At this point, I'm not 100% sure right now because it's the 4th of October and there's so much more college football to be played. But as of right now, that's where I'm, I'm going to stand. and That's the statement I'm going to have for the next about four months.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult not only because we don't have the crystal ball, but it's difficult because you, you go back to the Ricky Williams trade that the Bengals did not make. Um, And then they drafted who they wanted as their quarterback. And that whole thing just set this franchise back for years. Um, So you look at that and you can kind of, you know, weigh the options there. I personally, I like Justin Herbert more than Tua. Uh, So, I mean, I guess if you're able to, to move back and still get Herbert while the dolphins may take Tua or, or something like that, then I would do that. I mean, both seem very promising. I just think that Herbert does, more with less around him in terms of talent than, than Tua does uh, because Alabama is Alabama, but you know, I, there are people who think Tua is much better than Herbert, and I understand that too. So, um, you know, I, I, I it's, <laughs> it's a hard one to say. Um, I, I would maybe say yes, depending on, you know, where those picks are and what you, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, and, you know, you're, you're also talking about getting Rosen. Um, he's he's this kind of guy, a roller coaster himself. So, I, you know, and who knows how he's going to react in terms of being on three teams in three years. Big ifs there. Um, I don't really see it happening, and I don't see the Bengals having the number one overall pick anyway. But we'll see. Any others we want to get to before uh, we get out of here, John?
2: Yeah, just I'm, I'm just not looking forward to these. Don't waste a pick on the quarterback when they need to draft offensive line. I'm not looking forward to that debate. Uh, let's see here. Why is Andre Smith here? Because they yeah, have two I scouts and they knew Andre Smith's name and they didn't want to sign Donald Penn because they hadn't worked with Donald Penn before. A lot of familiarity, a lot of that going on in the Bengals Sky new report. Uh, anything else? Nope, that,
1: that, that just about does it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there are plenty others that uh, there was a long one too, uh, a, a really well thought out. Fortunately, it was a little long to get to on the on the air, but it was from uh, from Todd in Scranton, PA. Todd in Scranton, um, long. Uh, we'll we'll maybe try and get that on on the next episode or something. Um, he's uh, obviously a fan of The Office, but he's deep in Pittsburgh in uh, Steelers territory. He said, um, and he's a Bengals fan, so I don't envy him on that front, but. Um, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for submitting all of your questions. We tried to get as many as we could on the different platforms we're we're juggling and simulcasting on. Appreciate you joining us. Um, Enjoy your weekend. Be sure to subscribe to our channels, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Megaphone, all that good stuff. Keep it to CincyJungle.com for all of the breaking news, opinions, analysis, injury news, all that good stuff. And, of course, we'll be back On Sunday for post game reactions as the Bengals take on the Cardinals to see who gets their first win. Yay! In week five. Um, Thanks, John. Have a good weekend, bud. You too, man. All right.